the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Joining me now, Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist with Briefing.com. Dr. Rosen, how are you doing? Pretty good. How about yourself? Good. How's things in Chicago at Briefing.com? Uh, if you like 35-degree weather, it's, it's perfect. Okay. I don't like 35-degree weather. <laughs> it's the nice thing about the Bay Area. You can live in the fog. You can live out of the fog. You can be at the ocean in 20 minutes. You could be skiing in two hours. Uh, so we kind of have a nice little climate that is very conducive for uh, not being cold all the time. <laughs> and that's why so many people want to live here. Um, there's a big story today in the L.A. Times tied towards, and I, I don't expect you to completely know this, um, but it's tied towards the a bill that they're going to introduce, and they're trying to get subsidized housing. Um, it got cut from our budget a couple years ago for obvious reasons, uh, but the affordability is an issue. You've seen the Google buses, the protests in San Francisco. Um, it seems to be renting in California is getting tougher and tougher for the average American, and what California wants to do is, is charge people $75 every time they buy a house, and that will help raise money again and fund subsidized housing. Any thoughts on this basic concept? Does subsidizing work? Does you know, taxing someone $75 more in an already tax-heavy state, does that reduce demand? What are your thoughts? I don't think $75 is necessarily going to change someone's buying habits on a house that costs, you know, upwards of $500,000 on average. So I don't see that being an effect. The question is, how are they subsidizing rent? Are they putting rent controls on where they're forcing, um, you know, businesses or, you know, landowners to not be able to, to make as much as the house is worth? kind of like what they did in New York, or are they going from the bottom up and just giving money to uh, consumers directly to use towards uh, rental consumption? You know, the flip side of that is if you know, owners of these properties know that they're all getting an extra $100 from uh, you know, the government, then why don't they just raise the rates by $100 and you know, have themselves collect it? But, I don't know the, the specifics in uh, in California, but um, in the end, it generally results in a misallocation of capital. Thank you. Um, again, you went with curveball well. <laughs> misallocation of capital, that's the phrase that pays out of that. Um, builders in the U.S., they began work on fewer homes than forecasts. That's the economic data that I'm seeing out there. But again, we're blaming the weather 
Uh, did you see the numbers? What do you make of the numbers today? Uh, I thought that they were actually pretty good. I actually think that okay. they showcase that they don't blame the weather. Um, you know, if you take out November and December housing starts, where we had those two shocks of, you know, 1.1 million, I think, were in November, and a little over a million in December, we were averaging right around 910 to 920, you know, for the last 12 months. And 946 is what we had today, and, and that's within tolerances. And if you look at the details, you're seeing you know, a nice, smooth increase in single-family starts. And if you look at uh, multifamily, which is normally volatile, you had, a, you had a small decline in that area. So, I mean, the numbers weren't unusual. What you're seeing, though, is the fact that the declines that we saw in uh, January and February compared to, you know, late 2013 were not really declines. That's the normal levels that we need. You know, that's the normal levels that we're at. So, you know, if those were abnormal, I would have expected a bigger bump to, you know, 975, close to a million. Uh, the 946 that we got just tells me that, you know, we're not seeing much traction in uh, in construction. Things are, are steady at a, at a decent level. Last week, Janet Yellen talked, and I was at the gym when she was talking, so I didn't hear her context, but the market plunged while she was talking. What are your thoughts on the Fed Open Market Committee talking to the public and how the public seems to be reacting with big swings in the stock market? Yeah, it's difficult because when you have a Fed funds rate at the zero lower bound, and there's nothing that you can do in terms of stimulating the economy using normal conventional monetary policy, the only thing you can do is, you know, give expectations, you know, based on transparency, based on explaining what your feelings are. But the flip side of that is any comment is taken literally. So if you you know, say something that, you know, off the cuff, or if you say something that's not exactly what the market is, you know, thinks, there's going to be a reaction to it. Now, the market has been, in my opinion, overreacting to Fed, Fed talk. I think that, okay. uh, you know, you get a headache if you, if you tried to piece together everything that all the members of the committees are saying, and then, you know, include, you know, Janet Yellen's speeches as well, and trying to figure out what the smooth path is. I mean, there's just too many conflicting uh, stories. But if you take the general view that, uh, you know, economic growth is subdued and that they're going to keep pressure on, uh, you know, low interest rates until the unemployment rate returns to a more normal level, and and that's what they've been emphasizing, and, and that's generally what they've been emphasizing over the last 20 years in terms of how they react for Fed funds then you should understand that, you know, we're going to probably be low for, you know, 2014 and into 2015. And I wouldn't expect, a, you know, a really solid acceleration in increasing rates once we do start because the typical response to, for the Fed is, you know, increase at a slow rate, decrease at a fast rate. So I, I don't see them going, you know, from 025 to one in a matter of two months, you know, two, two meetings, whereas, you know, you could easily see them going from one to zero in, in two meetings. So, it, it, you know, you keep that in mind. Has our economy weakened enough to the point that not super low interest rates, but below normal interest rates 
are a thing of the future? It's going to be more of a norm? Or do you think we get back to 7%, 8% mortgages? You know what? It's a very uh, plausible response. And it's purely because uh, inflation is running too low. You know, if you have low inflation rates, you naturally have lower uh, interest rates. Okay. And unless you're willing to have a target rate of, let's say, 4% as opposed to the 2%, you're going to have a hard time getting, the, you know, getting interest rates back to where they used to be. So until we start seeing a major shift in inflation expectations and a major shift then in the underlying inflation, uh, we're going to have you know, persistently low interest rates compared to our historical averages. Anything else that you're working on, Dr. Jeff Rosen, that we should be abreast of at briefing.com that provides insight? Well, just looking uh, at first quarter GDP, we're, we're still negative, and I, I, think, you know, I know we're an outlier in that. Um, looking at the data, the consensus uh, you know, is mostly better than we expect on, on net exports and yeah, it's going to be a weak quarter, and I think that um, you know if we see a negative print, I don't think it's going to be too shocking. But uh, I think that uh, especially the general public who has been told that we're in recovery now for five years, even though they haven't felt it, you know, seeing a negative print may be a, it may be a big spook, you know, because people assume that you know negative means recession, even if it's a technical negative like uh, due to inventory reductions or due to a one-time shift in uh, in net exports. But uh, keep that in mind. Thanks very much. It's Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist with Briefing.com. Always good insights into the economy. Um, and something he said, that they're an outlier at briefing on uh, expectations for GDP. They see it on the lower end. Not they all. Again, it is a big business. It's a big business place with a lot of bright minds. Um, one of the particular features that I like is the perspective page where you get kind of a big picture, if you want a big picture. And that talks about first quarter expectations, and that's written by Patrick O'Hare, who comes on the show Tuesdays at 7.30 Pacific time. He's talking about the sectors that have the best earnings per share growth, the sectors that have the worst. And that can, in down market, let's say down market's down 5%. You may want to look at the earnings expectations where there's the greatest chance for upside based on expectations. And that may be your, your rebound play, because if everything gets sold off evenly, maybe the bounce back. Again, you need to develop your idea. They've got something called a swing trader, which has done incredibly well, and teaches you, you know, growth versus value, and teaches you, you know, what their thinking short-term plays might be, cyclicals underperforming state consumer staples, suggesting more risk-averse or safety-seeking dividend-paying environment where that may go, ching I need to buy a dividend-paying stock. Something may move inside your head. Again, I know it's been a little dormant there lately, but it's possible. It's possible that something will uh, spark interest in you. Uh, I think there's a lot of misconceptions. I spoke to a teacher's conference um, a couple years ago, um, the Good Teaching Conference, uh, and, you know, basically, I put it out there. Teachers, I got your back. Anytime you have a question, ask me. And a teacher recently sent me an email that her and her husband want to do an online trading academy. They want to go to a trading school to learn how to trade. And I understand that teachers' pays are pretty limited. You know, they're, they're not to the moon. I don't know what her husband does, but I think it's a bad idea 
to try to think that you're going to supplement your income by day trading. Be very, very, very cautious of claims of this. We'll take a break here. You can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. You can find briefing at briefing.com. Um, don't forget, i got a big event coming up at the end of the month on the 26th in Berlin Game. Sign up at robblack.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.